Welcome to Neutral Site. We are the college football podcast for the most passionate fans, regardless of your team. You already know the day-to-day, and that's why we're here to bring you more than just scores and schedules. We bring you the overlooked stories and underused data across the best sport in the world. And today, as you can tell, I'm back. Houston, (laughs) how you doing? I'm doing good, Glenn, but I think you're probably doing a little better than me. Where, where you been? Tell, tell the listeners uh, what's going on. You missed the last uh, episode, which is fine. I think you had some important stuff going on. You want to give us a quick little update on your happenings? I did. I, I didn't disappear into uh, football world entirely, which is usually what happens on Thanksgiving, although I did get a good uh, taste of it. But uh, no, I, uh, I got engaged uh, last week, uh, girlfriend and I. I've uh, been together a while. I've mentioned her a few times here as a as a passionate Aggie fan and former ESPN uh, producer, production folk. Uh, yeah, we got engaged uh, just before Thanksgiving and um, been kind of war one since then. Family in town, just enjoying it, celebrating, having a good time. Uh, already going uh, real quick into wedding planning. It's it, you know, she's a planner, so we're we're jumping right in, uh, just trying to kind of knock it out. Uh, figure it all out, and uh, it's awesome, man. Feels great. Yeah, yeah. You feel good. We, how how nervous were you? Oh, dude, terribly. I mean, I had I yeah. nervous you'd find out, you know, ruin the surprise. Nervous that uh-huh. I'd I'd look like or I'd mumble through what I had in mind to say, which of course I did. But uh, it was awesome, <laughs> man. You know, every we did it in front of our parents, and uh, which was a lot of fun having it, having them there just to celebrate and seeing their their looks and. Man, it was it's a, it was a, it was awesome. It feels awesome to to kind of have it done and just kind of get to enjoy it now. Uh, but I'm back. I'm back for you guys. I'm back for you. Uh, it's also why we missed the hot takes. Uh, I was sorry to miss that one, but uh, sorry priorities. I, I think that's okay. Yeah. So congrats, <laughs> You'll forgive me. Congrats, Glenn. I, Thank you. I know you've been. Uh, this has been on your mind for a bit. So um, it's awesome, man. I'm happy for both you guys, and I I kind of look forward to seeing what the wedding planning brings and all that kind of good stuff. So congrats, man. Congrats from Natalie as well. This is, this Thanks. is good times. Thanks, man. Well, you, you, you'll, of course, you know, be at the wedding. Maybe we'll do a live show there. I'm just kidding, Jordan. Oh, yeah, we won't yeah. actually do that. Maybe, well, maybe <laughs> during the reception. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Which, of course, we're not going to do. We're not going to have this during. We're not going to have the wedding during football season. We know better than that. Um, I was going to say, yeah, no. yeah. Especially don't do it during Florida, Florida State weekend, please. No, because, come on, man. I got, if, you know, for the show's sake, uh, for my enjoyment's sake, I, I got to stay engaged in football. And we're coming to a close here, man. This is a review of week 14 of college football that we have here. It's coming down to a, it's winding down. It's both a sad and exciting time. And after our review Absolutely. of week 14, um, we're going to touch on LSU's pretty insane facilities and, and, and just everything they have uh, going that you can kind of understand what, not only are they getting recruits because they're good, but they're getting recruits because that place is legit. Now, what's also legit, Houston, is the perfect combo of college football and beer. And we got a couple stories on that here today. We have a, a uh, the school, some schools are getting creative with um, their own brand of beer. Or their own branded beer, and then A&M's not going on the branding route, but they are cashing in in beer sales. It's been a good year for them among uh, many, I think. Those are the stories we're going to touch on today after our review of Week 14. All right, before we get into the reviews, guys, if you want to go check out those LSU facilities or if you want to go drink a couple beers at Texas A&M, go watch a game at one of those places. You need tickets. There's only one place to get those tickets, and that's Vivid Seats. Go download the mobile app, 
go in there, tool around a little bit. You can sort tickets by price, section, row, all that kind of good stuff within the mobile app. Uh, now Vivid Seats, it's even better. They have a loyalty program that allows you to earn credit back on your purchases. They're calling it Vivid Seats Rewards. So go to the App Store, go to Google Play, wherever you get your apps, download the Vivid Seats mobile app. You'll be automatically enrolled in that loyalties program. And with that, every purchase you make in the app will be 100% backed with a buyer guarantee. Games, concerts, theater shows, all that good stuff. Vivid Seat has it. So go down, download the app. You'll automatically join this program. When you buy tickets, if you go to LSU, you go to Texas A&M, wherever you go. If you're a new user, enter our promo code OVERTIME. That's one word, OVERTIME, at checkout, and you can get a discount up to $100. So go buy those tickets, enter our promo code OVERTIME, and you can get a discount up to $100. All right, Glenn, this was an exciting week setting up uh, the remainder of the year, setting up some championship games. Let's dive right into it. Let's start off with the biggest game probably of the week uh, or one of the biggest games, the game, Ohio State at Michigan. Ohio State easily covers. They were a nine and a half point favorite. They get the 56-27 win. Did you get to witness any of this game yourself? Oh, yeah, man. I, w I was watching it, uh, and I, the biggest kind of standout moment to me during it I mean, because there's a lot of moments of just jk dobbins running all over and just crushing it but justin fields man going down uh on what looked like a scary yeah. injury and then coming back like two plays later or, or a play later i think and throwing just an absolute dime on the run uh that was a pretty huge moment and i think something that uh kind of cements itself into the the, the history of the rivalry of of what of, of overall the rivalry, something you just kind of remember as a key moment. That was a pretty cool oh, yeah. play. Glad to see him healthy for sure. Yeah, he must have been because he threw four touchdowns against Michigan. That's that's pretty impressive. Man, 56 points on Michigan. Ohio State's just a juggernaut, man. They are. It's, they're, they're crazy. They are. And I, and I say healthy. He did. It is reported that he, he aggravated an MCL sprain. Uh, you, you know, that he I guess he got in the final play of the Penn State game. But – I mean, yeah, dude, they're they're ridiculous all around. I mean, J he, Justin Fields is a beast. That defense is a beast. You already know Chase Young, and then J.K. Dobbins, man, like he, I, I, I he's a Texas boy, which is that's another one they let go. You know, another one that that uh, Texas as a state let go out of the boundaries, and that's a mm -hmm. huge loss. And I think he's similar to Jonathan Taylor and Chuba Hubbard, for that matter. That uh, they tend to be kind of well-rounded running backs, completely right. I mean, yeah. they block, they catch, they run. And he, you know, showed it on the biggest stage for Ohio State, Michigan. Yeah, 211 yards, four touchdowns. I can't remember who the announcer for the game was, but he was comparing him to Emmett Smith. I mean, that's a pretty oh, good. Man. <laughs> that's that's a pretty good comparison. Yeah, I'd say it's all right. That's not bad. <laughs> yeah. And Michigan, they hung in there for a little bit. Put up 27 points on that defense. Impressive, but I think we all kind of saw this coming um, from the beginning of the year. Ohio State just too much offense for Michigan at this point. Uh, and that sets up uh, the Big Ten championship game against Wisconsin next mm -hmm. weekend. So we'll definitely be talking about that later this week. Will they run through Wisconsin as they have been with other teams this year? Uh, we'll see to be determined. Right. All right, and probably the best game of the week, and I think the most important rivalry game uh, every year, Alabama at Auburn down the plains Alabama three-point favorite but they lose by three Auburn takes it 48-45 Glenn this was an instant classic oh my gosh it's you know Bama took the loss but 
they they got to be a little bit proud how they played. I know there's no. Um, I mean, Saban's never proud of a loss, especially with that with that that extra second at the end of the first half. Oh yeah, man, he was fired. He gets fired up a lot, but I don't know if I've ever seen him that quite that upset, yep. man. Yep. He was. Uh, but this was a great game, instant classic. The Iron Bowl did not disappoint. This this was fun, man. No, it it, it they've had multiple. I think, and you and I talked about this. I think at right after the game, we were texting. I think this is probably the best rivalry series over the past decade. I mean, with yeah. the games that it's put out. I mean, and this was just another. This was just another. Like this, this may be the best game of the year. Yeah, especially with the implications for Alabama. Well, I mean, they're they're done now. They're done as far as the playoffs go. This will be the first time that they miss a college football playoff, which is ridiculous to think about. First time they're uh, outside the top five in rankings in four years, I think. Yeah, yeah. And dude, this the so a couple more numbers. First time they won't play in the national championship game since 2014, which is nuts <laughs> to think about. First time they've lost multiple regular season games since 2010. Man, they. I mean, they are the program. I know Clemson is up there in the last five years, probably at this point. But man, Alabama has had an unprecedented run. But this rivalry is good because Auburn does pull out some of these games. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they did here. I mean, huge win. Uh, big for Auburn. Big for the playoffs. Uh, big for the SEC. Absolutely. And that's a couple big wins for Auburn this year. They had the Oregon victory in Alabama, obviously, and a couple others. But so let's get into this. We, we got this in our notes here, Glenn. The, the, they stormed the field. By the way, um, did you see the, the girls who got yeah. stuck in the, yeah. in the bushes? Yeah. <laughs> hey, one of them got out. They, yeah, yeah. That's actually happened quite a bit at Auburn. So you think the fans would learn from prior uh, oh, that's, that's, experiences. Uh, yeah, right. Examples. Houston but, fans learning. Come on. Yeah, but what do you th- what do you think? We've talked about storming the field previously on two or three different episodes. At this point, Auburn, Alabama. I know it's a rivalry game, a big one, but Auburn's a good team and a proud program. There what you are go. your thoughts on them storming the field? That's the key comment right there. Uh, they're a good team. I think storming the field makes you look like the little brother. It, it makes like yeah. in. I'm good with storming the field in many scenarios. If you are a small, if you are a clear underdog, which they were only in a three-point underdog, keep that in mind. Um, yep. If you're a clear underdog, like you shouldn't be there and you win, storm that field. Like go remember with yeah. the team. If it's a championship game, right? Like if it's, the, if it's now they're not going to let people rush the field on a national title. But maybe if this was the SEC championship game, right? Maybe then you rush the field because it's like, okay, you're celebrating a championship. You're ready to go. But this is a big game that you were only a three-point underdog. Like, you're a good team. Act like you've been there before. Act like yep. you deserve to win this. And I think in rushing the field, you take away some of the credibility, which I know that may sound silly, but that's how I view it. It, it tells me that Auburn thought Bama was the better team. Yeah, and I completely agree with you. I, to me, it, it makes them – and this is no shot at Auburn. Again, great program, but it, it kind of makes you look like that, that you realize that maybe you're number two in that state. Exactly, I mean? um, exactly. And it's not like they've – so I, I didn't mention it, but so Ohio State, for, a good example, they have eight straight wins in this Ohio State-Michigan series, okay? So maybe if that goes a couple more years, and then if Michigan beats them at home, okay, you break a big streak, uh, I, I can see it. It's not unless, like Auburn unless hasn't won this game. Right. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, Auburn's won this game recently. They've won it a few times. I mean, they've won a national title not that long ago. They're a great program. I, I agree with you. It was a cool scene. I don't know if you saw the pictures. That whole field was covered, which was kind of neat. But 
yeah, I, to me, if you're an Auburn uh, fan or, or player, obviously you should see yourselves as equivalent to Alabama, and I don't like the rushing the field thing, even though great, great victory for Auburn. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, let's move on to – that was a great game. Uh, the Big Ten title – or, sorry, the Big Ten matchup of the week, uh, Wisconsin at Minnesota, wasn't quite as good. Wisconsin was a three-point favorite, which I don't know if I said this in the preview show. I was kind of surprised by that, just the way Minnesota has been playing and looking this year. Uh, but Wisconsin uh, kind of dominated – Yeah, they, they dominated and controlled this game, get the 38-17 victory. Not quite as good as I was hoping for, but a uh, good win for Wisconsin. I think it was. I think especially with Wisconsin, who they kind of had a bumpy middle of the year um, to come back and, and have a strong finish, particularly uh, beating Minnesota and stamping their ticket to the Big Ten championship game. You know, Jonathan yeah. Taylor, uh, like we've talked about all year, just still two more touchdowns, just knocking them back again. Um, heck of a player, man. What do you think of him, J.K. Dobbins, and uh, Chuba Hubbard? Like, how do you how do you compare them? It's tough to tell. So, so we've talked about all three of these guys really quite a bit. J.K. Dobbins seems like he is maybe the, the best of the three. However, he also has a better supporting cast around him. and that Incredible might, offensive uh, line. Yeah. Oh, incredible. And that quarterback is great. They have athletes all over the field. So I think his life is a little easier on a day-to-day basis. Uh, Jonathan Taylor's done great things. But, again, they've had uh, – success with running backs for what 10 to 15 years at least at this point um so i think i think chuba hover man has been the most impressive considering uh he's playing for a little lesser skilled team lesser talented team oklahoma state has not had the offense of oklahoma state past this year so i think he's impressed me the most just because i don't think he has the supporting cast that these other two guys have no nobody saw him coming people saw taylor and jk dobbins and chuba yeah. hubbard just Getting after it. I don't know if you did. You get to see any game day? They did a little Canadian Cowboys special. On <laughs> I missed cool. that because we yeah. talked about that earlier. Yeah, it's kind of neat. Yeah, I'm 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 a fan, man. I'm a fan of Chuba. And he's got more. He's got a couple more years in him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It should be should be exciting. So this was uh, a letdown for Minnesota. I know they really wanted this victory, uh, but they couldn't quite get it done. Still a great year for that team. PJ Fleck rowing the boat. They'll probably still go to an impressive big bowl game. Congrats to Minnesota so. yeah. on a great year. Yeah, And Wisconsin, this is impressive. They're headed to the Big Ten title game for the sixth time in nine years. Um, that's, that's, that's pretty, pretty dominant. And, of yeah. course, pretty dominant. Yep. So they'll be taking on Ohio State. Hopefully that will be uh, closer than maybe some people expect. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors, but we'll be right back with more games. All right, Glenn, let's get back to your neck of the woods. We had a good Big 12 game here. Um, Bedlam, Oklahoma at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma was a big favorite, 13.5 points. They get it done, 34-16. We kind of saw this coming, but, hey, Oklahoma State uh, at least held them to under, you know, 45 points or whatever their, whatever their season average is. <laughs> season yeah, averages. so uh, we kind of expected this. I, I think I mentioned this in the preview. This – to, in my opinion, this is a little overrated rivalry just because Oklahoma has dominated Really? It. Yeah. The stats were something like they've won 80 to Oklahoma State's 18 or something crazy like that. Um, so th- this, this – Okay. So you're saying so you're saying that it's overrated in the sense of it's in actual performance. Yeah, because it's one-sided, right? I, I like rivalries 
Gotcha. So, for example, the last one, Wisconsin-Minnesota, they were tied headed in this game, 60-60-8, I believe. That's awesome. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, Oklahoma to Oklahoma State, I, some, it was a totally lopsided number, um, which – and Gundy, it, Gundy's two and thirteen now in his career against Oklahoma. He's done a great job for the Cowboys, but just they're not getting it done against Oklahoma. So I, I don't see Bedlam is a is a exciting rivalry game. Mm, yeah, I think there's a lot of intensity, but th- that's fair. I, I'd I'd like it to be. I think there's a lot of intensity in the game, and I think that shows up. But um, what shows up on the field kind of speaks yeah, louder. For sure. Jalen Hurts, another good game. He had a, the trifecta in this one. He ran for a touchdown, passed for a touchdown, and he actually caught a touchdown. Um, so he's still doing big things out there for Oklahoma. But we, we keep mentioning uh, Hubbard, man. Season yards, 1,936. That's the second highest total in Oklahoma State history. But – you can give him some slack because the highest total, I think we all know, Barry Sanders rushed for like <laughs> 2,600 Ridiculous. yards. 2,850. 2,850. Yeah. So congrats to him, the Canadian Cowboy out there doing big things in Stillwater. So Oklahoma moves on, of course, to the Big 12 title game, and they'll have a rematch with Baylor. A rematch? Yeah. So hopefully that will be as exciting as the first one. All right, big a- Speaking of rematches, we're going to have another one between these two teams in the AAC. Cincinnati took on Memphis this week. Memphis was a big favorite, 12-point spread. They didn't quite cover, but they won 34-24. They will take that victory all day. And that means that Memphis now gets to host the AAC title game, whereas if Cincinnati would have won, they would host. So that could be a big deal. Yeah, this was a good game, honestly. My, I mean, I thought it was a pretty entertaining one. I think, again, I've, I've said this multiple times, the AAC, AAC probably doesn't get the appreciation it uh, it deserves. And I think overall, as a conference, it's actually been fun to watch this shake out. So I'll, this is actually probably one of the better, uh, I'll say it, one of the better conference championships out there. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, Memphis, great. I mean, both teams, great seasons, uh, obviously. But Memphis, this is their first 11-win season big deal and they're still uh alive for a new year six you know if they're the highest ranked aac team they'll probably get it so i would think if if memphis can pull out the conference title uh win then they'll probably get that new year six which is good so again these teams face off against each other this weekend and they'll be again playing at memphis that could be a big deal hopefully it's a good game all right, Glenn, we'll probably just spend just a second on this next one. Uh, A&M travels into Baton Rouge to take on LSU. LSU was a 16-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, yeah, they, they covered that. They get the 50-7 to victory. It was 21 nothing after the first quarter. I think the big thing here is, do you think Joe Burrow locked up the Heisman with this with this game? He had another game. Yeah. I, 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 became, I became a Joe Burrow Heisman promoter like I guess it was I forget if it was last week or the week before but I mean he it was at that point he just took the lead and and was has just been kind of flawless so I think he's earned it I think he's locked it up I'll just say on this game uh this was what if anybody that paid attention to this game coming into it this is what you expected from it honestly A&M fans kind of expected this a lot of them just you know LSU was angry for whatever reason LSU really harbored some anger over last year's huge awesome overtime game and this is exactly what they wanted um, this is kind of what, unfortunately, a lot of Aggie fans were afraid of, and, and that's what happened. I wonder, speaking this is Rivalry Week, if 
this anger that LSU brought into this and then the way that they handled this game, if this turns into a rivalry game. Remember, A&M's kind of young in the SEC. This could be a fun rivalry game in future years. Yeah, well, so I talked about in the previous show. I'm actually surprised with how many times, I, I can't recall off the top of my head, but these teams have actually played quite a bit. Even when before A&M got in the SEC, they played a lot of times. And, and I mentioned the show, Glenn, here's what we need to do. I think this is going to be a rivalry game going forward. Uh, with Jimbo Fisher going A&M's, they're a solid team. I know they took a, a tough loss here, but they're, I mean, they're going to be good for years to come. Obviously, LSU is too. We need to get a movement going where we need to come up with a name. All these other rivalries, mm, like Bedlam, this. The Game, you know, Paul Bunyan's Axe, Sunshine Showdown, all the, we got to get something for A&M, LSU. Let's, let's get this movement going. You, you know, Houston, you don't have a lot of good ideas, <laughs> but... This is and this is one of the better ones I'd say. And here, here's the other thing to kind of keep in mind: they're only, and I say only. I know this sounds kind of. They're only 300 miles yeah. apart as yeah. colleges. This, I, I think that's a good point. I'm, I'm on board the rivalry naming train. Let's do it. Series. Maybe we'll send out some, uh, some Let's tweets. Let's get to yeah, work because this, this game will deserve it for years to come. I'd like to see it. Both these teams are going to be good for quite some time. LSU obviously moves on to the SEC championship game. They'll take on Georgia. I hope that's an epic game. All right, guys, I'm going to be selfish and mention the Florida State-Florida game. I mean, come on. This is a big rivalry down in my neck of the woods. Set up, set up the context. Yeah, set up some context yeah, so, for this. What does this oh, mean so to a Floridian? From, I had it in our notes from la, from the preview show, but between the year, it was something like between the years of 1990 and 2005, both these teams were in the top 10 during their matchup. Like, think about that. It, it, it's for every year during that span. It was crazy. They're tied in their last, well, before uh, Saturday, they were tied uh, since 2000 in, in their rivalry. Uh, Florida takes the lead since 2000 now with this win. You're, you're fighting for recruits. You're fighting to get that talent out of the state of Florida, NFL-level talent. This is a, a big, big deal, and it's been kind of overlooked because – Either Florida or Florida State have been kind of down over the last three, four years, maybe even a little longer for Florida. This is a very big and heated and important rivalry in the state of Florida, and I do think this will get back to the uh, national level. This will be one of the games of the year moving forward once Florida State secures their next head coach and, and gets going. But this is, this is a big deal. I know I'm biased uh, because I watched this growing up, and I've been close to it for the last you know 20 years. Uh, since I became a Gator, if you will. So I, w I was pumped to see it. Florida gets the huge victory, 40-17. to 17. In my opinion, uh, I watched this entire game. It could have been a lot worse than that. I think they, they pulled off the gas a little bit in the second half. But big, big win for them. Their defense, of course, looks solid. Eight sacks against Florida State. Uh, and man, Trask, another solid game. Great year for him. He's a little overlooked, I think, in my opinion. He's actually 12th in the nation in QBR. He did not start the year. He has not started a game since his ninth grade uh, year before Felipe Franks uh, went down. So, man, you got a huge here's, year. Here's, what's, here's what made me realize that, this, that Trask was having a good year was the news that Felipe Franks is transferring. Because yeah. what that says right there is that Felipe Franks knows Trask is the future quarterback for Florida. Yeah, and and so how can he not be with this again with this year? Twelfth in the nation QBR. He's got ten wins with another with a bowl game to go. 
their offense has looked a lot better. I, I, I do want to give a shout out to Felipe Franks. Uh, we, you know, we appreciate what he did for the, for the university. He had some big games. I, the, if you go through his kind of, when he announced it through Instagram and Twitter and all that, if you go through it and see his teammates comments, he was, even though he's still a pretty young guy, uh, he was seen definitely as a leader. The, the, the players love him. Uh, he didn't quite have the success that probably he was hoping for or that uh, Gator Nation was hoping for when they recruited him, highly touted recruit. Um, but he did good things off the field, and he did some good things on the field. So shout-out to Felipe Franks. Thank you for what you did for Florida, and we wish you the best, man. So Florida is hoping for that New Year's Six. I've seen some projections. They can still get into the Cotton Bowl or the Orange Bowl. Uh, I know we're neutral site, but fingers crossed that they get a New Year's Six because I, I personally believe they deserve it. All right, Trask, a little overlooked. That leads us into uh, some other things that might be overlooked, Glenn. Let's get into these stories. We got some fun ones. It's a fun week. I know sometimes uh, we tug at the heartstrings and those kind of things in our stories. Uh, this week, a little different. It's fun. And let's start with LSU. We just talked about how uh, this LSU A&M rivalry will be fun for years to come. LSU, though, has a little advantage on uh, most teams throughout the country, and that's due to their new facilities. So, we're going to link this, or we'll tweet it out, we'll put it in the show notes, whatever. But basically, LSU has recently upgraded their entire kind of training facilities. They spent about $28 million on their football operations building. Why yeah. so cheap? <laughs> and I'm going to just I'm gonna read off of just a few things, and then we'll get into more details. Um, so these new facilities include, uh, obviously, they got like hot tubs, jetted tubs, anti-gravity treadmills, which are, I guess, important for college football players. Sodium-infused water coolers to make sure people are staying properly hydrated. Of course, of course. They have a uh, equipment truck outside of the facility that has, of all things, a centrifuge. So, real quick, for those of you who don't know, because I kind of had to look it up. What, what are they doing with a centrifuge? So, they're using it for blood work for injury treatments. So, they can do platelet pour plasma therapy, which is a tongue twister, and some stem cell injections. So, this is kind of way, way ahead of the curve. Glenn, have you seen any of the pictures of their locker room, their facilities? Dude, yeah, it's insane. It's insane. And they're, it's, it's absolutely insane. I mean, no one, like, how do you not kind of look at that and be like, yeah, that's where I want to yeah. go. I mean, and, and they're doing good things for their athletes. It's not just all, you know, pretty design and all that kind of stuff, man. They're, they're kind of bringing science to the forefront. We got some notes in here where, they're having the players are having their sweat analyzed um, to see if there's any deficiencies, if they need to step up their nutritional uh, intake and those kind of things. Even some of them, this was crazy to me, are they're swallowing electronic pills that yeah, monitor yeah. body temperature. I mean, would you be willing to do that if they if you went to LSU? Let's say you're what yeah, what position would you play at LSU if you were? <laughs> I'd probably be water boy. Water boy. That'd probably okay. be my position. Yeah, that'd probably be my position. What if your uh, your trainer came to you and said, "Hey, swallow this electronic pill so we can monitor"? <laughs> Would you do it? I think I think I need a little more info, but yeah, man. I mean, you're like you're and you're an athlete. Like your job, you're hopefully your job. Because if you go to LSU and you play football there, you're thinking about going to the NFL. You're thinking yeah. about going pro, yeah. and so you're thinking about the future. of This is your job. I want every advantage I can have as a player. I want to, I want to know what kind of diet. And like we've, they've had nutritionists for a long time at teams. I want to know what to eat. I want to know what I need to be having. I want to be in my my body is my uh, 
tool. I want to be in peak performance. So heck yeah, man, let's do it. Let's see what's in there. And I'm a bit of nerd now, you know, a bit of a nerd nowadays. I'd be like, yeah, let's see what, yeah. push up my glasses and <laughs> see what the numbers say. Well, speaking of glasses, they also have these goggles that they uh, used for wide receivers and tight ends. And they, they put these goggles on them and they, you know, ran, they went through practices, ran their normal routes. And they, these goggles were monitoring their pupils so they could see which kind of way their eyes were moving, uh, you know, how they caught certain passes at certain angles and those kind of things. And they're actually saying they're going to uh, use that technology, that data that they're receiving from these goggles to uh, design better routes for their receivers. I mean, that's, that's nuts, man. That's insane. How, how excited is Joe Brady over that? Oh man, come on. I mean, what, the, what it, yeah, I'm, 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 more data for him to make a decision and to make that Joe Burrow's offense even better. Yeah. I can't wait. This will probably be five, 10 years from now, but I can't wait till the studies come out on how this data and information help them like how they tweaked route trees for receivers and those kind of things. It'll probably take a while uh, for those kind of things to come out. But man, this is, this is awesome stuff. Well, and it'll take a while too, because coaches aren't going to want to share this. Right. Like the, oh, yeah. you know, they'll share the lack and they're not going to share how it changes things because you know how coaches are like that. Every It's very secretive. You need every advantage you can have. Um, it'll take a while for it to come out. I'm sure they've been using it even longer than we realized in some ways, but yeah, man, I'm looking forward to how it comes out, but it's not all good news. Not everybody thinks this is, uh, per se, a good thing. You know, you got, I, from, what, from what I heard, from what I, I, I saw and what they talked about was there, there were criticisms coming out, weren't there? Yeah, there were, when they, so they did a big uh, locker room reveal party. You know, you, you guys have seen these videos on Instagram and whatnot where, you know, they redesign a locker room and then they bring in the players. The players go nuts. So LSU did this, obviously. They, you know, their facilities are beautiful. So they did this and they got some heat from actually from their own campus. So uh, professors and other administrators uh, within the university kind of took to social media saying that LSU is not using the university's money properly. So they thought they should take some of this money uh, and use it to upgrade their educational facilities or maybe bring in some higher level researcher, researchers, those kind of things. Um, but LSU did release a statement saying, all these, all the money that they're using to upgrade their athletic facilities have came in through private athletic donations. So they're not, they're saying they're not using, you know, tuition money or, or, or what have you uh, to upgrade their athletics facilities. They're using only private donations, but it still did bring some heat uh, from their own, their own folks. So I, that's an interesting dynamic when you got, you know, the success of LSU football and other sports uh, in kind of contention with administrators, professors, and those kind of things. So I'd be interested to step foot on and, campus and, and see how that's going. Well, I would too, see if the, if the campus, because like TCU, for example, their campus is much nicer today than it was even a decade ago. And in a large part, there's a lot that goes into it, but a large part of that is football. Like football has helped either directly or indirectly help the rest of the campus. Now I'm going to call this out too, because this is, I think, and this is going to come up again here soon uh, in the next story. But we talk about players getting paid, and I'm not I'm not speaking directly to the likeness bill, right? You know, fair pay mm-hmm. to play bill, mm-hmm. and and what that's trying to do. But the idea of paying players, like people forget when we talk about pay, whether it's football or broader, that there's more to benefits as being a part of an organization than just financial, than just like dollar bill compensation. Sure, right. Because, like, look at these benefits that these athletes get. This is, this is like, incredible health care. Uh, yeah. 
healthcare like services in any regard. So I, this is a huge benefit about being an athlete. Even if you're a walk-on and don't have a scholarship, mm-hmm. this is a pretty huge benefit. Nutritionist, um, all of the machines, and not every school has that. This is important, obviously, to, to highlight. This is a pretty, I, th- I think they're probably at the top tier of facilities, but this is an additional benefit. Yeah, for sure. And I, that's a good point. I'm curious now, too, if like some of the data and information that they're collecting, if if they can find maybe issues with the player's health in advance, um, right? If they're screening Absolutely. them for of all these other could. things, maybe they can come across some some diseases that are, that are coming into play or, or, you know, have potential to come into play. So this could benefit the long-term health of these players. So that's a, that's a great point. Right, and we will we will mention that uh, this also on the note of people are kind of questioning this is privacy laws. You know, what are they going to use? This, I think that's important. Yeah, yeah what are they going to use this data for? And those kind of things. And it's it's fair, but their athletic director has came out and said the participation in these studies and the data collection is completely voluntarily voluntary. And he did say that some people, some players have turned down, you know, taking the pills or, you know, getting their blood drawn or what have you. And there's no repercussions for them. So they're, again, I hope not. they're trying right. to provide this benefit to their athletes and look out for them. I know they're trying to use this data to improve on the field, but they're also looking out for these, these kids coming in. So uh, no big deal if you kind of turn down uh, being involved in these studies, which is cool. Here's another cool part of this piece of this too uh, that I don't think the article highlighted, but I, I guarantee a lot of, in a lot of these cases, a lot of these studies, people who are heavily engaged in them are actually students on campus that are a part of mm-hmm. you know whether it's applied sciences or health you know health sciences. There's a number of other students I'm sure that are engaged in this that they're learning and then they're going to go out into the rest of the world and take the experiences of working with the athletes and apply that in, in a myriad amount of ways. And I think that's a pretty cool benefit of this as well. That's a, that's a great point. I'm curious now too if maybe, like you said, all right, you got let's say students interning with the football program for an example, and they're they're learning uh, all this new science. They're using data for medical purposes. If this will kind of um, be a domino effect for other people, kind of like we see now with analytics in sports, right? So baseball's a, a great example, but football and college football are using all this data to improve their their team's performances. Maybe this, maybe LSU is now on the cutting edge of maybe using data, data analytics for medical purposes and health purposes. So I'm curious if this will kind of spawn uh, the next generation, which I'm sure, I'm sure it will if you want to compete with LSU, right? Yeah, I think it can. And I think what highlighted that to me, Houston, was the other examples that uh, are tied to this, such as Clemson opening their applied sports lab right in the football facility. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, Alabama have an interdisciplinary player center for health science and athletic training. I mean, Oklahoma is collecting urine samples. Memphis has players wearing sensors. I mean, there's a lot of um, opportunities out there that I think benefits the students. Yeah, for sure. So this is an exciting way forward. I know there's complaints about using university money for athletics, but let's face it, athletics brings in a lot of money for these schools. And if they're private donations, then... You know, that's what people are donating the money for, right? All right, LSU, with their facilities and their current status on the field, they have it pretty good. But there's some other Louisiana schools. They got to do some uh, other little side gigs, if you will, to try to compete. So there's an interesting story, and this is from the New York Times, uh, where schools, they're focusing on this one for University of Louisiana at Lafayette. But there's some schools out there licensing their own brands of beer, which is cool. So again, 
Louisiana Lafayette. They got a couple beers out at this point. They're called Ragin' Cajun's Genuine Louisiana Ale. And then they also now have Ragin' Cajun's Genuine Louisiana Lager. Uh, and there's, uh, there's more than 20 other schools also doing this. So we got Purdue called Boiler Black, North Carolina State, Old Tuffy, which I'm not sure what that is. I'll have to look that up. Or if you're a NC State fan, hit us up on Twitter and let me know what Tuffy means. Uh, New Mexico's got El Lobo Rojo, which is a cool name. And then, of course, Colorado. Classic. Of course, name, Colorado. Right? Stampede. If you're in Boulder, you got to have your own beer, right? Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. But, yeah, this is, a, this is a cool story out of Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, they got that beer for sale. It's actually on tap at their football games, which which is cool that you can That's drink their own branded beer in the stadium. Uh, now they they did have a little disclaimer in the article that the beer is not sold on campus because you know, like most campuses, you can't you can't really buy alcohol uh, in school facilities and those kind of things. Um, and the distributor of this beer, this is a public service announcement, I guess, uh, responsible for alcohol awareness program for incoming freshmen, which I think is a, a oh, that's awesome. great idea. Yeah. yeah, I think that's... Um, yep, it should. I think yeah. you have, they owe a responsibility to do that. Yeah, for sure. So, Glenn, I, this is cool. Um, so, again, you know, Louisiana Lafayette doesn't quite have that, the revenue or probably the private football donations is LSU. So they're trying every little thing to kind of get their brand out there, get their name out there. I think this is a, a really cool thing. I think they're trying to make things fun at their, not only at their football games, but... Uh, I, there was a quote in the article um, where if you put Ragin' Cajun or the, just the word Cajun on something in southwest Louisiana, it's going to sell. <laughs> so they did a good job yeah. branding here. This is a, a really cool story. I like the quote by uh, Mark uh, Amond. I like it better because it's brewed with our local water. It tastes <laughs> like southwest Louisiana. Like that is a very, I'm just going to say, I, I don't, I think that's a good thing. But I'm not 100% sure not being from southwest Louisiana. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want it to taste like, I don't know. Shout out to Southwest Louisiana. A beautiful know. place. Yeah. Um, interesting place. So this is cool. So yeah, they, they, again, so the transition from the LSU story, um, Louisiana Lafayette's revenue, athletic revenue is about one fifth of Louisiana state LSU. So you can see that they need to do some things to kind of, uh, be top of mind to, Catch up, to bring in a little right. more money. Um, they're, they're doing other things too. It's not just branding beer. Okay. So Lafayette, for example, Louisiana Lafayette, they're playing football games on Wednesdays and Thursdays. That way they can, uh, get better broadcast slots, get more eyes on their games. Uh, they're creating partnerships with local and regional TV stations, which I thought is, is pretty cool. The coach there has his own show again, trying to bring more eyes to the screen, if you will. And they actually have old, this is old school, Glenn. I was surprised to see they put up six billboards around the city, uh, directing, people to the school sports complex because it's not technically on campus there. So, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Here's how to get here. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, you know, hey, you got to do what you got to do sometimes, right? I mean, I like the creativity. Um, I, I think you got to do what you got to do, just like what you're saying, especially when you're a smaller school. And I think you and I talk about that. When you're not a part of the Power Five, you have to go uh, get creative. You have to put in the extra effort um, if you want to kind of work at the same scale. And uh, that's what they're doing. I, I like that the athletic director – um, or deputy athletic director for external relations, Nico uh, Yantko, uh, said, yeah. even called it out. He goes, you don't see that at LSU. They don't have to do those things. We constantly have to be in front of you. Yeah. I mean, they know it. They know it. And they're doing it. Yeah, credit to them. And it, it's been fairly successful. So Raging Cajun's beers so far, well, since 2015 when it came out, they've generated 
$1.2 million in sales, which is impressive. Uh, in the school of that money, the school has taken in $140,000. So it might not seem like a lot, but again, for a, a smaller school like them trying to compete, any, you know, they'll take any chunk of money that they can get. That's interesting right there. They only, they're taking just over 10%. That's, that's yeah. not very much, but yeah. I think it's just, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I found that I, I thought it was a little low too. If you, if you're selling 1.2 million, you should get a little more than that. But it, apparently that's a, yeah, that's a standard kind of royalty fee, um, in the beer world. We could do a whole podcast well, just, just on the beer distribution world. It's, <laughs> it's weird and we, interesting. Yeah. We'd have to be, we'd have to have beer on in hand if we're going to do that. But <laughs> I think the reason that number stands out to me as important Houston is that the obvious kind of note that comes into this is, well, here's the school licensing yep. for profit. And players aren't quote unquote aren't allowed to do that, right? That's what we're we're gonna that's part of the debate. So I think it's important to call out that yes, they have one point two million dollars in sales, but that doesn't mean that's actually what the school is making. Right. And they're not using the players' names on this, of course. It's the school brand that they're using on it. So I, I just think that's interesting. Yeah, it is. And and there were some little tidbits in the article that, you know, this is interesting going forward. Again, we we talked about it with the LSU uh, story. What does this mean for the future, you know, licensing of athlete products and name, you know, n- using their names? What does that mean? This all keeps adding. We, we see this building, building over time, right? The, if the universities are allowed to use their brand to make money on things like beer, then uh, maybe in the future the players will be too. So yeah, something something to think about, something to keep an eye on. This was a, a cool story, a fun story. Next time I'm in southwest Louisiana, which will be in February, actually. I'll be in Louisiana. Maybe I'll swing by the local grocer there and pick up some raging cajun lager all right glenn you know who needs a beer after this weekend texas a&m rough rough weekend for them luckily they seem to have plenty of beer on hand so from bleacher report uh and other sources that we can link to um basically texas a&m uh well the sec in general but let's focus on texas a&m uh, legalized selling beer at Kyle Field this year, and it was successful. They did $1.3 million in total revenue from beer sales, um, which is pretty impressive. It is. I mean, it, and a lot of programs did this, and I think there's been similar numbers. I'm just kind of going off memory, but that I've seen is that it's been very successful. And you know what you haven't heard spike as much is incidents. Yeah. I think that's the interesting piece. Yeah, and so their athletic director came out, you know, when when this story came out, he was asked about that. Uh, he says it actually improved the fan experience, didn't lead to a, a rise in crowd problems. He said actually in some games there were less. And we I th- we might have talked about this, Glenn, in our we, – we did this in an episode way back about when, you know, the SEC and other conferences and schools now agreeing to sell beer. We thought maybe you would see a decrease in incidents because – you know, these some of these younger fans aren't out there just binge, binge drinking, drinking before the game right. um, because they can't get it in. The Which game. I'm sure they still, yeah, they, a lot of them still do, I, I, unfortunately. But yeah. but they're not like, yeah, they they're not worried about like, well, I got to get you know, got to get my buzz on before I go into the game, right? You know, now it's like because now you can actually get beers in there. So and it seems like it hasn't at, at the very least it hasn't increased anything. Yeah, which is great because I I think this is something that all schools, well, most schools will do in the in the future. So I'm glad. Um, to see that, that he's coming out, a big school like that, a successful program coming out saying it didn't increase uh, the 
you know, violence or anything like that in the stands, which is great. And this was a, a cool, they, they actually released a survey to see how, how they're, um, besides just revenue, how the, the beer selling was going. They released a survey to 2,500 people and of those people, 40% bought alcohol some point during the season. I, at first I thought that was high, but it, it does make sense. I mean, that's a lot of people in that, uh, I guess, you know, that's why they made $1.3 million in revenue off of it. I mean, you and I had one at the TCU game uh, we went to at the start That's of the right. year. Yep. Yeah. So if TCU I, I sends also, out a survey, uh, check me off. Check the check the box. I would also say I like what they're doing here, and you saw this with the Raging Cajuns. They're working with a local yeah. uh, brewery to kind of to partner with it, and I, I think that's cool too because there you are. You know, you and I talk about it. College football is more than just college football. It's also about the community, whether that's uh, you know the alumni dispersed across the world, or in this case helping kind of support the local economy and that's what you saw i mean the the uh they work partnered with blackwater draw brewing and the co the co-owner of that chris Steele, um said that they, what he reached a career high he said you know we opened a brewery in Aggieland, and to sell it in cowfield is a high point of where you want to be everyone wants to be involved in aggie football and i can only imagine this is probably a pretty huge bump in their business oh, gosh. and that's good for uh for college station as a whole yeah, for sure. I can just imagine, like you said, he said this is kind of the, the high in his career. Um, I can imagine if I'm down there in Florida brewing beers and, and the swamp comes calling and says, we want to uh, partner with you and sell your beers at the swamp. I mean, I just imagine. I mean, this is, a, am sure, a game changer for him and for Blackwater Draw. Glenn, next time you guys head over to College Station, man, come on. I got to tag along and try some of this beer out, you know. Come on with it, man. Go to a battle of basketball, baseball, softball game because it's coming there too. It's coming there, man. So this is a cool story. It's it's fun. I know we had two beer stories, but I think it's important. I, I like to see uh, these teams in college football in general kind of expanding uh, into the world of business, making a little more money for the schools while it's available, and improving the experience for fans. Let's face it. You go to Kyle Field. You go to the Swamp. You check out a TCU game. You might want a little cold beer in hand. So I like to see it, man. College football always improving, always getting better. And that's just another reason why it is the greatest sport in the world. All right, that is going to do it for us today. Thanks for listening to Neutral Site. We appreciate being your college football podcast. And whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or even Google Podcast, make sure you go in there, subscribe, and better yet, leave us a review. We want your feedback. Uh, don't forget to check out our show notes at NeutralSitePodcast.com. That site also has links to all of our social media accounts. But you can follow us, hit us up on Twitter at NeutralSiteCast. On Instagram, we're at NeutralSite. We hope you enjoyed, and we hope you can use these overlooked stories and underused data at the tailgate this weekend.